Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger, and making his triumphant return to the podcast is Jordan Climac. Jordan, once again, I wish I could welcome you back under Betham <laughs> circumstances, but unfortunately, I cannot, as the Browns lost a brutal game uh, on Sunday, 45-7. to uh, for the listeners out there, I recorded like a 20-minute post-game show. I was not in a good mood at all. I said so on the podcast. And Jordan, it was a uh, it was a tough Sunday to even muster up the energy to record, man. So feel <laughs> a little bit back. more energetic I to today. I, I got to go back and listen to your Go Browns <laughs> at the end of the last <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I, the, See the how go- somber it was. <laughs> I, I, it was. It wasn't even somber. It was more uh, of just like you didn't even believe it. Like you yeah, said it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It. it was apathetic. It was like, yeah. all right, I, we're still here. I, I think I ended it by saying, like, I still love this team. I'll still be watching next week. So, yeah. look, I can't quit. I didn't quit when they were 0 16. I'm not quitting now, but uh, it was a tough game on Sunday. Yeah, it was a tough game, man. I mean, pretty much everything that could go wrong went wrong. Uh, the biggest loss the Browns have had since Romeo Cornell back in 2006, I believe. Uh, pretty wild to think all, all things considered last week against the Bengals happened to be the biggest victory the Browns had had in a handful of years. Then one week later, the biggest loss you've had in almost 15 years. So it's like, Henry, I, I, that's just a perfect microcosm of this team and just how inconsistent they are. And, you know, we could sit here, we could hire Mythbusters, we could hire detective units. And I don't think anyone would be able to figure out why this team is so inconsistent. And I think that's the most troubling thing is you can't point to one thing and just like, well, if you just turn that around, if you just play a little bit better in the secondary, if you're able to secure the edge a little bit better, if you can actually move the ball, like, no, it's not just one thing, Henry. There's so many different things going on with this team right now. Quite frankly, I don't even know where to start. Where do, like, where do you want to start with this nonsense? Yeah, I I tried to figure it out on Sunday. And yeah, when a game is that bad, it's almost hard to have like a specific takeaway because everything uh, was an issue. But basically, my theory for why this team is so inconsistent is they really can only play one way on the offensive side of the football right now. And they're choosing to only play one way for the most part on the defensive side of the football. So to me, it comes down to they, they don't have any versatility. And so when they get a good matchup and things work, it's great. And they can roll and they can dictate the flow of the game and all that stuff. But when the matchups don't work out like they didn't uh, on Sunday, and, and part of that has to do with coaching as well, then it, it's like the Browns don't have like a plan B or a counterpunch. It was like all of a sudden they were down 21 to 7 and they abandoned the running game. And it's like this offense falls apart. Like there is no drop back passing game. Like all of a sudden, the the Patriots can can run the football and attack Miles Garrett. There is no defensive line dominance anymore. Like all this stuff just fell apart for them on Sunday with with some good coaching on the other side. Yeah, I just wanted to jump in real quick. Like what you just said right there, right? Because the, they had that successful first drive. It was very reminiscent of the 2019 season when the Browns would come out literally every single game in the first drive, which of course we know is scripted. You go in, you score points, and then it everything just falls apart and crumbles after that. This game felt a lot like that, Henry. And I don't know what it was, but Stefanski 
Joe Woods, Alex Van Pelt, every single coach on that coaching staff, Bill Belichick was doing cartwheels, backflips. I mean, he was just running a coaching clinic around these guys. What you just said right there about the Browns coming out, running the ball, and then the second drive, Baker Mayfield throws that interception, and they just abandoned the run after that point. They didn't even think about running the football. That's exactly what Bill Belichick wanted you to do, and you played right into it. I just I don't understand it, Henry. Um, Stefanski, every year we talked about how impressive it was. He was out coaching people. He was out scheming people. I don't know what it is. I don't know if the NFL caught up to him. I think it's a combination of a lot of things, right? I think one, the NFL caught up to him and he's having a hard time adjusting. Let's just face that reality. You can tell me otherwise, but I don't know if I can believe otherwise. And the other thing is his injured quarterback, right? Baker Mayfield, the torn labrum, the shoulder, that now a foot this week. I was seeing videos on Twitter of a damn foot. Now it was, it used to be the shoulder. Now it's the foot. He was having trouble. Uh, Baker Mayfield planning his foot to throw the ball on Sunday. So that I think has hindered the play calling abilities of Kevin Stefanski. I think he's coaching scared. I think he's not how many, how many rollouts? Did you see any rollouts, naked bootlegs on, on Sunday, Henry? Cause I didn't, I haven't seen any of those in, in a while. Uh, that's all we saw last year. That's why this offense was so effective. Haven't seen it. I don't know if it's because Baker's hurt. And if that's the case, your coach is coaching scared and he shouldn't be because he played pretty damn well hurt last week, played pretty damn well hurt against the chargers. So I don't know what it is, but everyone needs to wake up. And I really just think that this has become an organizational thing, Henry. And when that's the case, you start at the top, you work your way down. But for this team right now, the roster, the product they're putting on the field, I think you have to hold the head coach responsible. And I've been very disappointed in Stefanski. And you heard from Jarvis Landry today, who spoke at his annual turkey drive. And it was pretty alarming what he said. Basically, he's like, yeah, I don't know why they can't scheme me open. I, I, I don't know why uh, I, I'm not being effective in this offense. I don't know why I'm not seeing the targets. I mean, it's pretty effective. It's pretty alarming. I, I think that the, co- the wide receivers, everyone within this Browns offense has grown frustrated with Kevin Stefanski and his ability to call games, or maybe it's just his system. I don't know what it is. It was an incredibly long winded answer from me, but it's very frustrating. And I think that Kevin's, you have to start with Kevin Stefanski and it pains me to say, because he was the coach of the year last year. I, I don't think Kevin Stefanski is without blame by any means. In particular, as I said, with I thought he lost the game in the second quarter to some degree with, with his uh, with how he got away from the run game. Because I get it was 21-7, but the Browns put back-to-back terrible drives out there where I thought the play calling was the issue. I will say, we're one week removed from the Browns putting up 41 points. Like, they put up 42 points against the Chargers. Like, I don't know. Like, it, you know, Brandon Staley yeah, is one of the best Henry, defensive Henry, coaches Henry, in the you, league. You've been on it more than anyone. You've been on it more so than I am. The Bengals aren't a good football team. They're not. Look at look, Henry. Look at it like this. Week one, Chiefs. That's a playoff team, right? You lost that game. Chargers, yeah, they, possible they, fringe. Pot, Chargers, they, possible fringe playoff team. You lost that game. Patriots, fringe playoff team. You lost that game. Steelers, fringe playoff team. You lost that game. Your most impressive win this season is over the Minnesota Vikings in a fourteen to seven game where Baker Mayfield had one of the worst games of his career. Yeah, I guess that to me, this is where we get between the division of offensive coordinator and head coach, though, because Kevin Stefanski, the offensive coordinator against the Chiefs, lit them up like he absolutely lit up the Chargers in that game. He lit up the Bengals last week. Like, I don't think they figured it out again to the worst defenses in the NFL by by my eyes, by my eyes and what I've watched this year. Perhaps. And that's true. But uh, the Bengals were locking down a lot of teams before they played the Browns. Again, I thought they were overrated, but they had figured a lot of other teams out. They lost to the Jets the week before. The Jets hung 35 on them. 
again, uh, <laughs> yes. But before that, who did they beat? The Bay or the Ravens? So I mean, like, they just lost to the Dolphins. It's weird. It's a weird year in the NFL. Yeah, that's, I mean, I mean, yeah. But the Ravens are also, you know, they're yes. also the best team in this division right now. So, you know, to me, it's again. I don't think they figured out the system a lot. I just think the system isn't that complex right now. Like you said, I think whether it's the personnel limiting him or Stefanski, you know, you say coaching scared, maybe just, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just that he, you know, they're telling him, you know, not to roll Baker Mayfield. out. I don't know what it is, but you know, we looked at the Baker Mayfield rollout numbers. They were slightly down from last year through the first couple of weeks. They've gone even more down the last couple of weeks. So I think you have to wonder if, they are taking that out of the offense intentionally. Here, we have to say, we have to say this real quick though. If, if if that's the case, if you can't run your offense, if you can't run a bootleg because your quarterback is so injured, he shouldn't be playing. Yeah, I mean, and, it is well, that and, uh, and I think that's there is an argument there. The the tackles for the Browns are also, uh, you know, not uh, the strongest point of this offensive line. So again, when you roll Baker Mayfield out, you're relying on your tackles to be the blockers there. And the other thing is. The wide receivers haven't been any good. I mean, we talk about Odell Beckham the whole time, but where's everybody else? Like, where's Rashard Higgins on this team? I think Rashard Higgins, look, I think, I think Rashard Higgins, I think we found out who Rashard Higgins is, right? I think we've wondered for years, like, is this guy any good? He gets limited action this year. A couple of weeks ago, I don't remember the game, and he comes in and has like two false starts immediately. And it's like, okay, dude, we, we get why you haven't been playing. But to me, Henry, it's how can you ask? How can you ask a Jarvis Landry to be productive in this offense? Donovan Peoples-Jones has the highest uh, passer rating when he's targeted among any wide receiver in the NFL. He gets about two targets a game. This, this offensive system isn't built to cater to a wide receiver. That's just the fact of the matter. Yeah, I, I don't think it is. But also, Landry was more effective last year. And again, I think, you know. It, he was, but that goes back to my point of we were running the right plays. I just, I don't know. It's just so much is off kilter this year, Henry. It's just. Like we could sit here and go back and forth this entire podcast and like we won't come up with any answers, but yeah. it, it's really it's really weird to to contrast last year with this year. And I, I don't know what it is, but something is different when it comes to this offense. Yeah, and I agree with you. I, I think to me, uh, I'm guessing here that it's a multitude of factors. I think because the, the play calling is clearly different. I'm not denying that, but I just think there are reasons for it injury wise, where it's gotten very uh, basic, where it doesn't seem like they want to deviate too much from it in, in terms of the creativity. And then the second thing is, is, and I, and I'm going to mention this on both sides of the football. Yeah. It's a Brown centric podcast, but the Patriots on the other side of the football did a lot of smart things. And in particular, they, they manned up on the outside in, in where ignored the elephant in the room a little bit here and they said, Baker Mayfield, throw the football to your receivers one-on-one -on -one in coverage. And the Browns could not do that but at they, all at any point during the game. Here's my issue with that. You have the best offensive line in football. You just lock down the two of the best, arguably the two best guards in football on your roster. You did that because you're a running football team. Now, everyone knows coming into the games that you're going to run the ball. The thing is, your offense is so damn good. Sometimes it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that Matthew Judon or whoever knows that you're going to run the ball. Wyatt Teller's going to maul his ass. I mean, that's, let's just call it for what it is, Henry. Just because a team going into the game thinks they're saying, we're going to stop the run. Okay, we'll stop the run. I dare you to try and stop the run. And the problem was they exactly what you just said, what they wanted was to make Baker Mayfield become the guy to beat us. And Kevin Stefanski said, fine, you want to give us all of this open field to throw, then we're just going to throw the ball the whole game. And that's not how this team wins football games.
Yeah, I just think at some point, like, yes, as I said, the two drives, I thought when it was 21-7, when it was still in hand, they got away from the run too quickly. But I think at some point it falls back to the quarterback of like, you know, like the, the Chiefs and the Chargers and the yeah, Rams, he he, like when they're down two touchdowns, you know, they right. don't say like, oh, we got to we gotta stay with the run here. Like yeah. those te- that's not what those fan bases and those teams are thinking, right? It's like, all right. Like the Rams, they went down two touchdowns to the 49ers. They ran the ball like eight times the entire yeah. game. Like they were no, like, that's... all right, fine. This is what we got to do. Like drop it back. Like let's let it rip. And the Browns, they tried that and it was it was real bad against the defense that yeah. frankly isn't that good. Like the Patriots defense, everybody's like, oh, Bill Belichick, like whatever. That defense this year is like pretty average if you look at the stats. It's not horrible, but like yeah, especially it's against not the insane too, either. <laughs> Yeah, but, yeah. So again, I don't think Stefanski's blameless, but I just, you know, it, it, he, we're we're yeah. we're going in circles with Baker Mayfield a little bit, where it's right. just like he plays well one week, he doesn't play well the next week. But at the end of the day, it's the inconsistencies what's killing this team. I think it starts, you know, as much with the quarterback as it does with the yeah. coach. And you're absolutely right in the fact that Henry, how many game-winning drives does or how many comebacks does Baker Mayfield have in his NFL career down ten points? I'll save you the brain trouble. The answer is zero. He hasn't yeah. done it because he yeah. can't do it. And that's just the fact of the matter. I mean, yeah. at what point, I mean, let's get real on this podcast right now. I mean, we're, we're, we're 10 games into the season. This is year four of Baker Mayfield. Is he still the guy, Henry? Because this week was the first week where, you know, me, you've known me for months, maybe years now at this point, you know, I'm a Baker Mayfield supporter. I'm a Baker Mayfield guy. This week was the first week where I was like, it started tipping the opposite direction for me where I was still tipping, 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 tipping. He's the guy, he's the guy, he's the guy, he's the guy. This week it turned for me. I, I, I just don't know what else I have to see when it, when it, any time that he is up against a quarterback that is of equal or possibly better than him, he loses. And that's just the fact of the matter. I, I, I don't know what it is. He can't come back in a game. He can't do that. And like, I know, I, like I said, I'm a Baker supporter. I see some of you out there. Some of the support for this guy has gotten too ridiculous to the point where it's like, okay, you're just obviously not watching football at this game, or you just don't know football. You're just trying to defend this guy because you like him. And I get all of the stuff about, you know, one in 31, where we were, how long it took us to find a guy that can take us to the playoffs. Well, you're ready to win. This is a roster that should have been competing for a Super Bowl. It's been very disappointing to this point. And when that's the case, you start with the most important position in the sport. Ask yourself if you're good enough there, Henry. And I'm starting to have serious doubts. Yeah, I think, you know, I, Jake Burns uh, tweeted something out like, you know, you have 10 weeks of evidence with Baker Bayfield. Like, you can choose to ignore what you want. And Henry, we're at almost at 60 games of Baker Mayfield at yeah. this point. Which, you know, from my perspective, look, I get I get it for the people uh, that are supporting him. And I think the tough part with Baker and why he has so much support is exactly what you said. Not only did he turn this franchise's fortunes around to a degree here where they've at least put together some competent seasons where they haven't been the laughing stock of the NFL – he has the intangibles of, of a great quarterback. Like he does, like you see how he fires up the sideline. Like he is so fun to root for. And I am rooting for him. That's the thing. It's like, I am still rooting for him. I'm hoping this is all the shoulder injury, but I saw a great article by Charles Robinson from Yahoo sports that said, it's time for the Browns to treat Baker Mayfield. Like the Titans treated Marcus Mariota going into his fifth year, which is, this is a quarterback that has the intangibles that has the pedigree, but hasn't stayed healthy. So you take, you, you have the fifth year option, you get to evaluate him, but it's time to start thinking about, okay, what if it's not him? 
And they ultimately chose to bring in Ryan Tannehill that year. Look, Ryan Tannehill is an exception. Usually you don't get a guy that good. But he was just saying, hey, that's got to be the approach here going forward, is you can't count on Baker Mayfield beyond next year being your guy. You know, you're going to have you're going to let him recover from the shoulder injury, probably going to give him another year. But now it's time to start thinking plan B. And I think that's kind of where I'm at with Baker Mayfield is I am still hoping that this is that the shoulder is playing a factor, that the other injuries are playing a factor. But at some point. You have to wonder through four seasons. He's been banged up. He's been inconsistent a lot. I, is, is this just who he is? I don't think we can play that card um, because nobody, Henry, did anyone at one point at all during that Cincinnati Bengals game mention a Baker Mayfield injury? The answer is no. I, I mean, it's called for what it is. You can't come out and play that well, and then next week all of a sudden it's the injury. The week after you play well, again, it's the injury. I just think at some point, if that's the case, don't play. I mean, really, it's, yeah. it's, it's that simple. And, and you talked about some of the intangibles, and I see some of them too. Guy has a cannon arm. There's times where he is ridiculously accurate. He's very good at throwing on the run. But there are some little things, Henry, where it's just like, this is year four. And it's some of the one reads where you, where you notice where it's just like, man, you, just, you decided where the ball was going before you said hike. And that's why that play resulted in zero yards gained. And, you know, I work with a defensive back that has three Super Bowls and played with under Bill Belichick, the greatest coach of all time, and that being Rod Cherry. And he was breaking down the play to me from Sunday's game. Um, the underthrow, if you remember this play, I don't remember the quarter exactly, Henry, but it was a severe underthrow. He was targeting Anthony Schwartz. Anthony Schwartz had to come in and basically play defense to break up the interception. I don't remember if you remember that play or not, but he, Rod was breaking yeah, it yeah. down to me uh, under the sense that, like, this is like grade school stuff. That, that you are taught when you have a defensive back that's underneath the route and you look over there and you see that there is no chance in hell ever that you should throw that pass. And you are taught that at a very early age. And I watched the film. We watched it together. Baker looks over, sees the guys underneath. He still throws the ball. Underneath. So it's like, to me, we're in year four now and we're still seeing some things where it's like, dude, how, how has this not been corrected? Like, there's no way that's not being talked about in a film room, right? He's not sitting down with Alex Van Pelt and the quarterbacks coach and Stefanski, and they're not being like, dude, you can't throw that ball. When you see that there, you just can't do it. But it's still being done. And, and it's things like that to me where it's just really, really head-scratching. Yeah. And, and look, I, you know, it, it's tough with the blowouts. You know, people obviously want to react one way super hard than the other. I came on here last week and said everything went right for the Browns against the Bengals. I, I thought Baker played well. I didn't think he actually, like, was that awesome last week. And I do think this week, you know, he got put in a tough spot in the second half, too, where, where they had to drop. I mean, there was no, no running threat at all, you know, when they were getting blown out, too. So, yeah, he didn't rack up the garbage time yards, I guess, that you would look for. But, like, he got put in a tough spot, too, where the Patriots were just pinning their ears back. So, we'll see. You know, the Lions are on, on deck, obviously, for this offensive get-right spot against probably the worst secondary in the entire league. But, Jordan, the other thing I want to talk about is the defensive side of the football because – they gave up 45 points to a Mac yeah. Jones-led Patriots <laughs> offense, too. And again, I thought Mac Jones actually played phenomenal in this game. I thought he, he made a bunch of great throws. But 45 points is 45 points. I mean, what did you see uh, on that side of the football? Because with how much talent this defense has, for them to be popping up in basically similar metrics-wise to what they were last season, at this point, 10 games, oh, it's, it's pretty disappointing. It's worse. It's worse. Um 
Jake Trotter actually tweeted this out earlier. The Browns ranked 24th in defensive efficiency this year, Henry. They were 19th last year with a defense that had half the talent that this defense currently has. And there's a lot that I saw. I could probably, we could probably do three hours on the nonsense that I saw from this defense on Sunday. Um, to me, I'm going to start with the safeties. Uh, John Johnson, Ronnie Harrison. Uh, I mean, John Johnson, man, to get that kind of money, come over here. Like Henry, I, at no point in, in my mind did I think like going doing off-season podcast early on in this year, did I think I was going to be sitting here saying, I, I, like, you might have to consider a different option because he's just not getting it done. But that's we're getting close to that point with John Johnson. I mean, it, it has been bad. I, going back and watching some of the film, it's like, dude, you're a veteran in this league and you are making bonehead mistakes that you're taught in high school. And then you flip it over for Ronnie Harrison. Uh, a lot of bonehead plays, a lot of penalties he's drawn this year, a lot of games he's left due to injury. Uh, it's just been really bad. So you ask yourself at that point, Henry, is it scheme or is it lack of effort? What is it? I've heard a lot of people talk about fire Joe Woods. And look, Joe Woods has not been impressive by any stretch of the imagination this year. He certainly wasn't last year. And we talked about he was on the hot seat this year because you have the talent now. Now, can you get it done? The fact of the matter is he hasn't gotten it done. But I want to stick to that point of the scheme. There was a play in particular. I think it was in the second quarter where the Patriots are clearly going to run the ball. They shifted tight end to one side of the field. It's like, okay, well, they're strengthening up there. They're probably going to run at the right side. They bring over Ronnie Harrison. Uh, they ha- call him up to the line. He fills the gap right where the run is supposed to be, right where the gap's going to be in the defense. I mean, he fills it perfectly. He's in the exact position he needs to be, and he whiffs. And they pick up 15 yards. That's not scheme. Like, and, but it's a combination of both, right? It's a combination of not being able to adjust and lack of effort for players. Now, I want to flip it over to the defensive uh, line as well. Uh, we talked for so long this season how dominant that unit was. Uh, they've been soft. I mean, it's called for what it is. They've been soft on the interior defensive front. It's been a rough couple of weeks for Malik Jackson, who got abused in that game on Sunday. But I want to flip it out to the edge real quick with Jadavion Clowney and, and Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett, obviously one of the best defensive players, if not the best defensive players that I've seen in a Browns uniform in my entire life. But there's one flaw with his game, and it, it bites the Browns in the ass every single week, and it was exposed to a teat on Sunday. And that's the fact that he every time he blitzes the quarterback, every time they call hike, his one mindset is I'm going to try and get a sack. That's all he wants to do is get a sack. And when he's doing that, Henry, that's not setting the edge. You're leaving the edge exposed. And you could say the same thing on the other end for Jadavion Clowney. What does that do? That leaves the edge exposed. And when that opens up the offense to gas you with two plays in particular, screen passes and reverses. And that is exactly what gassed the Browns on Sunday because they couldn't set the edge. And it started with Miles Garrett and his effort to get to the quarterback. And I know that's a weird territory to be in where you don't want to be like, hey, dude, don't rush the passer. Hey, don't do what you're best at. But at some point, you have to realize setting the edge is just as important as getting to the quarterback. And I don't know when that conversation is going to happen or if it has, but it is costing the Browns. And it's been an issue with Miles really for his whole career. But I saw it highlighted by the greatest coach of all time on Sunday where he said, this is what he does. This is what I'm going to do. Let's see if you guys adjust and react. And the Browns didn't. And that's why they got gashed. Yeah, it, it was a masterclass from Belichick. I actually brought this up a little bit. I, th- I thought Miles Garrett has gotten better at recognizing screens at times over the last year or so, but they, the Patriots did this really smart thing where, you know, when they let Garrett through, like completely unblocked, he's pretty good at realizing it these days, like, oh, 
like they don't let they don't do this to me like and he used to get you're right that he used to get burned on that all the time but the Patriots did this really smart thing where they would like kind of block him like the left tackle would like push him for like a little while and so then Garrett got like really up the field where he was like oh I yeah, totally smoked the guy it's and then yeah and, yeah and then they and then they ran the screen pass behind him like three or four times they it, the, you talk about Malik Jackson I watched a breakdown I can't remember from which analyst about how, yes, there have been teams taking advantage of Malik Jackson the last couple of weeks, but the Patriots did this whole thing where instead of simply just, uh, you know, uh, running at Malik Jackson or whatever, they actually double teamed him and just blew open these like wide open gaps in the Browns running game where it was like, oh my goodness. Like they, instead of thinking like, oh, he's a weak player, let's just put one guy on him. They were like, no, let's make this even worse. Like, the, it, it, whether it was Belichick or, or more likely McDaniels, this was a, a master class by them for sure. But what I think what was troubling, and, and you're you're 100% right on John Johnson and the safeties, but I think what was troubling was the quotes from postgame uh, where players were like, these are the plays that have been beating us all season and we have not adjusted to them. And then Garrett said that specifically, that we didn't yeah. make the adjustments on the sideline. Like that's like red flag city to me. It's Red Flag City in, in two ways for me. One, obviously, it's an indictment of the coaching and the fact that they just aren't getting the job done and they aren't adjusting properly. But two, it's an indictment that Miles Garrett is immature enough to even say that in a press conference. Uh, I think we have to look at that side of things, too, because, look, if you're the leader of this team and you're the guy that they've paid all this money to, keep that in-house. What, what business, what good is that going to do to come out in the media and say that after the game? You come out, you say the coach speak things, we need to be better. We need to play better games. You go address that in the locker room after the game. I, I, I thought that was childish by Miles. I think he's been pretty childish this entire season. When we talk about wearing a cape uh, to a press conference after you got your ass kicked by your, by your rival. Um, I just think there have been a lot of moments this year where I'm like, man, if you could just be the leader we want you to be, it, things would be going a lot more smooth. Uh, and I thought that was highlighted by what he said on Sunday. But at the same time, it's evident though, right? Like that is the case. We all saw it. Browns didn't adjust to the, anything the Patriots were doing. So it's an indictment on the coaching staff, but it's an indictment in the kind of the, the mindset of the locker room at this point that guys are comfortable enough saying that kind of stuff in the media. Yeah. I thought the full quote, like he, I think he was trying to be a little bit veiled about it. And then he, he was just trying wasn't. not to say it. And then he was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm saying it. Yeah. That is kind of how I felt. Yeah. If you read the whole quote and, and see it, you're kind of like, he's trying to dance around this, but then he kind of actually blatantly says it. But Jordan, I think that, you know, and, and we'll get into a, a Lions preview on the later podcast, but I think that's really the question for this weekend at this point. The Browns are a better football team than the Lions. They do almost everything better than the Lions. Like the Lions basically do one thing well, which is run the football. And, and even that they do like pretty average. But what the, the other thing the Lions do well is they play super hard. And you saw that against the Steelers. They played, they did not give up. They, they throughout the whole fourth quarter, you know, they miss a field goal in overtime. They come back, they keep fighting. And I know, you know, that's been said over and over again about the team, but they really do. And the question now for the Browns is, you know, are they going to match that belief and intensity? Because if they do, this should be a win. This should be a get right game. And, you know, we'll be sitting here, you know, one game above 500 next week. But if they don't, you're looking at, you know, potential embarrassment. And I think that's really all this game comes down to. Here's the thing about this game. I just don't want to be fooled by a win over the Lions. And this yeah, calls and I, what it is, Henry. This, yeah. this, the Browns right now are an average football team with an average quarterback coach who's been average this year a defense that's been average this year and an offense that's been average this year 
and I don't want to come out and have the Browns because it looks, let's go for what it is. It's probably exactly what's going to happen, right? Baker Mayfield allegedly, apparently, can only play with his back against the wall. So uh, everyone's been doubting him. They've been doubting the team this year. I'm sure they come out and light up the Lions. But then the week after, what do you have? You have the biggest game of the year against the Ravens in Baltimore on Sunday night. And to me, this is setting up for one of those. You blow out the Lions, you come back, you get blown out by the Ravens. I mean, that's just what this is kind of setting up for. That's how this year has gone. And if you can avoid that somehow, Henry, I don't know how you can do it because it hasn't been able to be done at this point. But if you can avoid that letdown against the Ravens in two weeks, then you can maybe get your season back on track. But I just don't want listeners of this podcast and Browns fans alike to be fooled by a win over a football team that hasn't won a game this year and is very poorly coached. Yeah, and and I think we'll do our best not to overreact. If we've learned anything from these last couple of weeks, it's you can't overreact one way or the other because, as you said, I think you know throughout the whole roller coaster of the last couple of weeks, I think what we've come to realize over the last four or five weeks is, is that this is an average football team. They you know they might sneak into the back end of the wild card, they might not, but like that's ultimately where this team is floating around. It's it's a game here or there will determine whether or not they're a six or seven seed or are out of the playoffs. I can't imagine really a different result for them right now as far as the season goes. Yeah, it's, it's really wild. I mean, this is crucial, Henry. I mean, it's been crucial for a couple of weeks now, but it's really chopping block time. I mean, there's a, there's a world where the Browns lose on Sunday and everything. I mean, you thought things were bad this week. You think things were bad against the Steelers. Henry, if they lose this game, I mean, Look, we, I, I don't want to make any bold predictions or anything, but we have an owner that we know has been quick to jump the gun when he's not impressed. I, 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 like, I don't want to go that severe, Henry, but if you lose this game to the Lions, it's going to be ugly in Berea. And quite frankly, it's something that I don't want to experience. So can they just get the job done against the Lions? Then let's reevaluate this next week. Yeah, I think uh, maybe, you know, I am going to assume that the Lions game will, will be at least fine, but – I don't know if Joe Woods should be making too many plans beyond the bye week because this Ravens team has given the Browns a ton of trouble. And I could very well see, you know, a, a, an average game against the Lions this week, a bad game against the Ravens the next week. And then, and then Joe Woods uh, might not be there. So we'll see. We'll see. We got a long way to go here. Plenty of seasons still to come, but you know, Browns obviously with a disappointing game against the Patriots, Jordan, we will preview uh, the Lions game in full on another podcast, but tough one here. Other than that, you know, we'll, we'll be coming with the content. We'll just see how it goes. Hey, it's the NFL. As you said, it's been a confusing, confusing season so far. Yes, it has. I mean, that's the only, that's the one solace, right? Like that's just the one, <laughs> like we thought the AFC North was this great division turning out like, like Henry, we thought that at a point, right. Where it was like your path to the playoffs is wild card. Like, that's not the case anymore because you lost to the Chargers. That's a tiebreaker. You lost to the Patriots. That's a tiebreaker. You beat the Bengals. You lost to the Steelers. But your path to the playoffs is winning the AFC North now. So it's go time. Let's see how it, let's see how it plays out. That's a good point. I, I said the Browns might be a six or seven seed, but frankly, you're right that that's the best path. And and yeah, who is good in the AFC, man? You've got the Bills losing, you know, to the Jags. You've got all I mean, just craziness. You know, the Ravens losing to the Dolphins. So we'll just. We'll have to see how it plays out here, but uh, not what we were looking for out of the Browns on Sunday. So that'll do it for this episode of the Rebuild, guys. As I said, be back with the Lions preview later on this week. But until then, two words for you. Go Browns.